This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. Monday means the great EJ Raddick. Hi, EJ. How are you? Hello, Don. How are you today? Good. Of course, you see him on NHL Now from 4 to 6 Eastern on the NHL Network and plenty to get into but I want a feel-good story because I don't know how many people out there have like any kind of positive or negative feelings towards the Vancouver Canucks but everything they've gone through not playing in nearly a month maybe starting too early JT Miller showing some leadership they come back from two nothing down last night and they get a big overtime victory over the Toronto Maple Leafs I had to make you feel good because it's been a it's been a long tough month in Vancouver for the Canucks yeah, it's a it's a great story in terms of the you know their perseverance and their battle in that game. Um, it's a, you're right. It's been a it's been a rough several weeks for the Canucks. Uh, by all accounts, dealing with uh, the Brazilian variant of the COVID virus that uh, knocked a lot of those guys and members of their staff, members of their family for quite a loop. Luckily. Uh, by all accounts, people have uh, you know have come out the other end. Hopefully, everyone involved with them, and that includes their family, is, is going to be okay and get through. But we got back to uh, the Canucks got back on the ice and uh, played a probably the best team at least on paper in the North, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and the Canucks were able to rally and, and win the game in overtime, and just a terrific, terrific performance by Braden Holtby and. One of the saves for the ages that he was able to make on uh, on a puck with from Wayne Simmons, kind of a double windmill save with the pads, and uh, you know reminded me about Braden Holpe making that great save in the Cup final just a couple of years ago against uh, the Vegas Golden Knights when he stopped Alex Tuck late in that game to uh, to preserve a victory for the Capitals. So uh, Holpe was terrific, and uh, good to see the Canucks back on the ice and. We'll see where they go from here. Yeah, I mean, it's a reminder, too, and we've talked about it on this podcast numerous times that, you know, you, you don't know where this COVID thing is going to go, and Colorado's going through it now. They're going to have three postponements, and we'll see what this turns out to be. But, you know, it, it kind of just gives you that accurate feeling of what's going on here with Vancouver because it's not just an inconvenience, right? From a sports perspective, it's like, oh, COVID, postponements, uh, contact tracing. Over the last 13 months, EJ, that's kind of just become noise, and you kind of forget that it's an illness and that 21 yeah. Canucks had it, and several of them had it bad, including their head coach, Travis Green. So it's not just a stat. It's not just an inconvenience of games not being played and our sport being taken away from us. These are human lives going through a lot. And Obviously, from a professional athlete standpoint, their chances of survival are outstanding and recovering is great. But, you know, the the fact is, is that for for several weeks, guys were really, really sick. And we can't forget that this virus actually does a lot of devastation to the body more than just the inconvenience of postponing games. Yeah, no question about it. I mean... Hey, listen, Johnny, just go back uh, 100 years into history with the uh, Spanish flu epidemic. I mean, there was some, we know, if you know if you know your hockey history, there was a hockey player that was, uh, that that passed away due to the, uh, the Spanish flu. So it's not inconceivable that uh, a modern athlete could go through something similar to that. So, I mean, fortunately, 
that has not been the case. But you're right. I mean, I guess we as, uh, you know, as people who cover sports and those fans who follow it, you do sometimes get caught up in the, you know, well, when are they going to get back out there kind of mentality. And the reality is they're going through something very, very difficult. Uh, and, you know, you know, I, I went through it. I was fortunate. I didn't have, I had mild symptoms, and uh, but I had really a lot of anxiety, and uh, sure. it affected me in a different way. And so you see how this affects people in different ways, and I just hope that all the people, again, and including the staff and including the family members that are there, hopefully everybody comes out of this okay because it, it can do a number on you for sure, as we've seen. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, plenty of places to go, um, including the Islanders, who have really struggled to score goals, EJ, but they're finding ways to win. Last night you saw them win in overtime uh, against Philadelphia, and it's it's worrisome in the sense that are they going to come up a goal short in the postseason, right? Are they going to be a team that because their offense isn't maybe going to be matched by some of the teams they're going to face, that they're going to come up a goal short? But on the glass-half-full side, the way the goaltending is played, the way the system is played, they don't need as many goals. And when you see this run they're on, uh, how productive they've been with a minimal amount of goals. So how do you look at it, coming up a goal short in the playoffs, or this is exactly how you want to be once you get to the playoffs? Well, I I think the Otters want to find a way to score a few more goals. I think that, uh, you know, you play a Philadelphia Flyers team that really hasn't been – lauded for its great defensive play in the last uh, several weeks. And, you know, they played a number of tight games with the Flyers. It's kind of amazing. I think, like, more than half of their games have gone to overtime or shootouts. So, um, but still, I think you'd like to find a way to score some more goals. You know, the competition is not going to get any easier when, you, you know, if they if things go as, as they expect and get to the playoffs. I mean, if you've got to get into a, a showdown with Washington, Pittsburgh, or Boston, uh, you know, you're going to need to find a way to score a few goals. So, you know, a few more goals. The defense has been good. The goaltenders have been good. But, uh, you know, I do think that's a little bit of a concern. But, it's, you know, I also think it's somewhat secular as well. Uh, you know, during the course of a season, we've seen different teams go through that. And, uh, you know, the honors are trying to work two forwards in. They're still... You know, they're without their captain, who was uh, a pretty important offensive force for them, and he's out for the season. So I, I think like everybody else, these team, these four teams in, in the East that we think are going to be in the playoffs, they all have their strengths and weaknesses. And, uh, you know, I think that the Islanders are going to have to find ways to, to just to get a little more offense as they move forward. Because it won't be easy if you're in a seven-game series with those with any of those three teams. No, and and you know what the the Rangers didn't get any help uh, obviously from the Islanders with those losses to the Bruins and the uh, Ranger fans were watching that game against the Flyers last night hoping if the Islanders had lost EJ in regulation there'd be only six points separating the Rangers and the Islanders with the three team with with the two teams having to play three more times I mean so 
it's scary. It's scary for really all those teams because the Rangers have put a lot of pressure with those four straight wins against New Jersey. And I know the Devils right now are basically a glorified AHL team, but to be able to win four straight in the way they did was pretty good. And Boston's now re- re- rebounded now. They look good. Tuka Rask back into the fold, getting a little bit healthier. Time might run out for these Rangers, but clearly these teams have to continue to play, not just for the battle for first place, but any kind of slip. You know, this Rangers team putting a lot of pressure on the, the playoffs are certainly not guaranteed to teams like the Bruins and the Islanders for sure. No, I agree, and you're right. The Rangers do have those three games the Islanders, and, uh, you know, it makes it makes it even more that game they played last week when the uh, I thought the Rangers had the better of the play for 40 minutes and the game went to overtime and the Islanders were able to to find a way to win that game uh, in overtime. Um you know, that's even more a reminder of, you know, how tight things are and how, you know, the, that point, that single point could end up making a difference because the Rangers are playing very well. Now, I don't know if they're going to be able to to run the table and, and win the rest of their games, you know, on the schedule, but certainly they can make it uncomfortable for teams. And, you know, the bad news for the Rangers is that the Boston Bruins, you know, post-trade deadline have really – uh, you know, they, they have really rounded into form again. And uh, 4-0 since the addition of Taylor Hall, that line of Krejci, Hall, and Smith has been terrific to go behind the perfection line. They've got pretty good, you know, when you think about being able to play like a Charlie Coyle on the third line and a Jake DeBrusque, and, you know, as you're back and forwards, all of a sudden those guys are better slotted. And uh, if they can get Carlo and Grizzly back, they got Rast back in the mix now. I mean, the Boston Bruins, could end up a, a team that is really dangerous to play in the postseason, you know, if they get there. And I'm going to guess they're going to because, you know, I just think they look uh, that that team with those moves, even the addition of Mike Riley from Ottawa, it just gives that team a lot more depth. They have a different look now that they have a really significant uh, second line, something that they've been looking for for a long time. It looks like they have that in place now. Yeah, and the Rangers kind of look like, EJ, the team from last year before the pandemic hit where they were playing great hockey, but you just had the feeling they were still going to run out of time and not make it. And it, it has that same feeling like they'll close out the season well, give you a reason to believe for next year, uh, but just not have enough time. And And listen, we're both David Quinn defenders, and I think he's done a terrific job. I think people... Don't pay attention to some of the adversity the Rangers had faced with all of the injuries and the absences during the course of the year. But scholarship will be over next year, right? I mean, if you've got a healthy Panarin, a healthy Zibanejad, you've got Shesterkin playing well, it's going to be very difficult to just settle for good but no playoffs next year. Uh, I think if they close out these final 11 games, make it or not, but play well, uh, clearly next year expectations, and rightfully so, will be playoffs or bust. Is that fair? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I thought this year I, they were a year, at least a year away. And uh, I got to tell you, I mean, uh, what I've seen in the last couple of weeks, I mean, with uh, Zibanejad finding his game again, and you, know, you go back to our original conversation about COVID, right? I mean, there was a guy that uh, just wasn't the same for several weeks. And then all of a sudden, you know, the, the light switch came back on, and, and he's been unbelievable. He has 30 points in his last 20 games. I mean, on a, over the course of an 82-game season, Donnie, that would be more than 120 points. Yeah. In a season. So, I mean, it was him and 
and Panarin have been have been lighting it up, and uh, these the young players that they have that we all know they're going to be good players. I mean, Kako and Lafreniere, and now Kravtsov, and you know even somebody like Kabushnevich who had a good weekend at the hat trick on his birthday on Saturday. You know, like he almost gets lost in the shuffle, but he's becoming a really good player. And you know, Fox on the blue line and Miller, and they've got other guys on the blue line that are coming. The Zach Jones has just signed from UMass. They've got the Schneider kid. They've got other kids over in Europe. I mean, they they are really going to they are loaded with really talented players within their organization. The, the key will be is how does Jeff Gordon, you know, and company sort it out and figure out who they need, you know, who is staying and who eventually might have to be moved to add a piece that helps you win. So, uh, you know, it'll be very interesting to watch the Rangers over the next several years. I'm I'm with you. I think they're going to run out of runway this year just based on the math, but I would say that the the expectations are going to be sky high moving forward, and that's going to be something else they're going to have to manage. Yeah, there's no question. And Panarin, listen, I'm biased because I get to see him every single day. You know, you remove that, that that leave of absence that he took when he missed 10, 11 games, whatever it ended up being. Yeah. You know, he, we're talking about one of the leading scorers in the league. I mean, he's just captivating to watch. And, you know, he maybe gets lost in the shuffle because of, you know, the Rangers not being a playoff team in the span of time in which he's been here. Uh, and there's and he's got to share a lot of spotlight with, you know, Mika Zibanejad. It's been really good. But I tell you, but Panarin's right there among the best of the league. And for a winger, for the vision that he has, he makes players around him better. Tremendous shot, tremendous passing ability. I mean, this guy, he is every bit the player that they thought they were going to get, maybe more. Yeah, he's one of the best free agent signings that I can remember in terms of, like, big-time money signing, and yet he's lived up to that and more, to your point. I mean, he is... He has just been lights out good. And it really does make you wonder. You go all the way back to when he was a member of the Chicago Blackhawks. It just makes you wonder why they didn't try to figure out a way to keep him long-term. I mean, I know they got scared off two years prior to the end of his contract. They got scared off by the potential of losing him. They traded him to Columbus. But, you know, a player that is this talented, like you said, I mean, he is in the top handful of players in the league. Uh, you do wonder why maybe Chicago shouldn't have uh, tried right. to figure out a way to make that work. In the end, they didn't. He went to Columbus and then subsequently signed with the Rangers as a free agent. And they're paying him an awful lot of money for a long time. But uh, right now, I mean, uh, he has been terrific, and I don't see any reason to think that he's going to slow down in the near future. And Adam Fox, I, I know it's a reputation thing, so he's got a lot to overcome to get serious consideration for the Norris Trophy. But when you think about it, he's a plus 20, which is better than the other candidates. He's got more assists than any defenseman. He's right there in total points. And he's he's, he's on a team that's that's not as good as Tampa, not as good as Florida. Not, you know, maybe Chickering, obviously, is a guy that's going to get consideration on maybe a non-playoff team in Arizona, but... Uh, tell me why Fox shouldn't get serious consideration for the Norris. I can tell you that because he should get serious consideration for the Norris. And I mean, it, it's two different questions, Don. Right? If you if you're deciding your Norris vote based on like who is the best player to help you win right now and who impacts the game in so many different ways, it's hard to look past Victor Hedman, right? Because he's six foot six, he skates like the wind. I mean, he's already been a Conn Smythe Trophy winner and a, and, and a Norris Trophy winner, and he's just a terrific player. 
And it's hard to think there's anybody that impacts the game more than a guy like that. Now, if you look at it like most years, when when the writers uh, and it's the Professional Hockey Writers Association who votes on the Norris Trophy, when they look at it and they look at the numbers, I mean, Fox has a, quite a case to uh, to win the Norris this year. So I think he's, at worst, a finalist. Yeah. Uh, I can see people, some people putting him on top their uh, their ballot. Now, again, and this is a problem that we have in the league this year, is that every division, it's you know, you play only in that division, and that's nobody's fault. That's not the Rangers' fault, Fox's fault. It's just like it's not Connor McDavid's fault that he gets to play, you know, the Ottawa Senators this year like nine or ten times, and they've really did a number on Ottawa, and he's been able to pile up points against a rebuilding Ottawa team, although Ottawa's been good against a lot of teams in that division. They just haven't been good against the Oilers. So, you know, some will say, well, you know, Fox and some of the Rangers really rolled up a lot of points in those games against the Philadelphia Flyers when the Flyers are really struggling. But the bottom line is, those are National Hockey League games. Uh, All the numbers count. And, uh, you know, there are teams that the Philadelphia Flyers have probably beaten pretty good this year as well. So, you know, I guess, it, again, at the end of the day, Don, it will be about maybe how you think about that award. But if you look at the numbers, it's hard to overlook Adam Fox and his candidacy. And I would say that he will be a finalist for, for the Norris Trophy this year, if not be the person that ends up winning it. Yeah, I mean, we can get into that whole game of, oh, you're only playing your own division, they get to beat up the Devils, they get to beat up the Sabres, but if anybody's watched those games, and listen, the Devils right now are going through a lot, but if you watch those games, I mean, they came to play. And and They were undecided in three of those four games it was up in the air in the third period. And not because the Rangers are playing poorly. It's just, you know, the Devils just aren't, they don't, they're not good enough, but they come with it. Take a look at the Sabres. What did they do to the Penguins? You know, and then you got Washington with Ovechkin and Backstrom and Pittsburgh. You've got Crosby and Malkin and, you know, Boston's got you know, the, maybe the best line in hockey. So, yeah, you could talk all about beating up on the Devils and the Sabres, but what about the Penguins? What about the Capitals? What about the, the Islanders and the Bruins? Any of those teams can win the Cup and nobody would bat an eye. I think I think Fox is playing in the best division in the NHL. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess, you know, that's one of those things. I think there's good and bad in, in all these divisions. Like, I, 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 I kind of like what's going on in the Central right now, too. I think that's a real interesting division. And then the West is kind of real top-heavy if you got to deal with Colorado and Vegas a lot. But you know, I think you can make a case for the East, and as I said, I mean, I think Adam Fox has played very well, and the numbers are there to support his candidacy, and people want to vote him. If they want to vote him to win the Norris Trophy this year, I would absolutely have no issue with that at all. But that said, I think there's a lot of interesting candidates out there, and you brought up Jacob Chickwood. I think he's had a monster year this year in a, in a situation where, uh, you know, that team is in the midst uh, of a battle to make the playoffs in the, in the West. So, I mean, there's, there's several good candidates. And the, the beauty of this, Don, is there's so many good young defensemen in this game right now. It is really – it's. I don't remember a time when we've had this many talented young defensemen, the Haskinens and the McCars, and, I mean, I'll just go right on through the league. There's, and Adam Fox is just is another one of those guys. And – and he's lit it up this year, and the numbers are there to support him. So, like I said, I have no problem with him being a very uh, being a front runner or being at the top of that chart. It's just a matter of how the voters are going to see, uh, look at his candidacy, and 
because he's kind of uh, new on the radar, you know, that sometimes, uh, you know, that impacts things. But mm-hmm. he's been very, very good, and you've had a front-row seat. No, he's been very, very good. Outstanding, uh, even. And, and, and maybe, listen, I'm not going to compare him to Brian Leach just yet. I think they are different types of players, but it's clearly the best defenseman that this team has had since uh, Leach and Zuboff, and, and those are the guys that he's being compared to uh, early in his career. A uh, couple of things tonight, Sharks and the Golden Knights, so officially Patrick Marlowe will pass Gordie Howe for games played in the NHL, but you've already given your opinion on that last week. Something that's kind of flown under the radar tonight, the Panthers will play host to the Columbus Blue Jackets, and this will be Keith Yandel's 912th consecutive game. That's two behind Gary Unger for second all-time. Uh, he's able to you know, play through into next year. He will play you know, the most consecutive games of any player in the NHL. And Listen, it's not, it's not uh, Cal Ripken Jr., but you know, baseball is not hockey. You know, and he's, ha- he's had to be on different teams, getting traded in the middle of the year. And it's a nice accomplishment what Keith Yandel has done, considering the fact that there was serious consideration he was going to be a healthy scratch when the season started. That's correct. Yeah, I mean, listen, anybody who can play in this league to play as long as Marlowe or to play as in consecutive games to the level that Yandel has done, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty difficult to do it because it's a physical, physical game, and uh, these guys take a beating uh, over the course of time. And, you know, I'm, I talked about it last week on, on, uh, on our show on NHL Now. It's just to take a moment and really credit these players. I mean, they are playing like every other night, three games in five days, four games in six days, whatever. You know, I think Montreal's on a stretch where they're going to play five games in eight days. I mean, these are, this is a grind of a schedule right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I tell you, I just got to give these players, you know, and the coaches and the staffs, everybody involved, a lot of credit because this is not an easy game to play night after night no. after night. No, it's it's a bear for sure. And you're starting to see it too, right? That second of back-to-backs, Montreal played Ottawa. Didn't like Montreal had anything. They don't want to take anything away from the Senators, but they had played the night before against the Flames. And you're, you're starting to see that. You know, if you're a betting person, take, take a look at how many games a team has played in a week because there's going to be those games where they're just not going to have anything. And if you're taking on a yep. team that maybe has had a couple of days off or a little well-rested and some of these teams that are out of it that you know aren't feeling that tension, that grind, because they know that their season's going to end when the regular season is over, there's probably value in some of those picks because you can just see that there are some teams that are really sucking wind and it affects their play. Yeah, no question. And, you know, and a team like, you know, teams right now, like when you talk about, you know, looking for value – in terms of uh, betting, is like Buffalo is playing way better right now. So they're not as easy and out as they were four weeks ago. Uh, the Detroit Red Wings are playing very competitively, and they've, you know, they've added some pieces to their lineup. They made some changes. Uh, you know, so I, like they're a team, like on a night-to-night basis, a little harder to deal with. Um, you know, uh, the Ottawa Senators, they're adding new guys all the time. And, and you shout out to Shane Pinto, a Long Island kid who was at uh, North Dakota. He, he uh, left school, signed with the Ottawa Senators. He was part of Team USA at the uh, World Juniors a couple of years ago, and I happen to know the family, and I'm really excited for them. But he was for his first game was Saturday, and he had an assist in the game. And the Senators have added a, a, they have, I mean, they have a, just a tremendous number of really talented, very young players 
that on any given night, you know, they can they can beat you. And we've seen that. I mean, they toasted the Canadians the other night. And you're right. The Canadians just didn't look like they had a lot in the tank. So there's a lot of interesting propositions when you think about, you know, the world of, uh, of betting and, uh, and these teams right now because – there are tired teams out there, and as much as you think, oh, they're, they're gonna, a team is going to win tonight, sometimes it's just they don't have the gas. All right, you want to do some tweets before we get out of Dodge here? Let's do it. All right, Ozzy says, of all the players in the change of scenery column, who do you think can benefit most? I have a strong feeling Montour in Florida. Well, I think the one that, you know, I've seen so far that's really has been good has been Taylor Hall. Yeah. Because, and, and it's really about the fit for Taylor Hall. I mean, the fit has been just perfect. And we thought that was a possibility going into it. But, uh, you know, he has just been, uh, it's been a perfect fit there. With You know, David Krejci is such a good player. He's probably one of those guys that's really underappreciated in this league because he's behind the Bergerons and the Marchands and the Pasternak there and Chara for a long time and McAvoy and Rask. But one of the constants in the Bruins' success over the last decade has been David Krejci. And when he is going, the Bruins are going. And uh, right now, he's got some help there with, with Hall and with, uh, and with Smith and, and you know, Hall coming in there. Like I said, it's just been a really good fit for him. So that's the one that I think you know, jumps out to me just because the fit is perfect. And, you know, Mantha's been good in, in uh, Washington since the deal. Um, and, uh, and you knew that was going to be the case. He's a good player for sure. Uh, Shining Wizards, Kevin, how patient do Devil fans need to be with this seemingly endless rebuild? Well, I think they just have to be patient because, you know, it is what it is. I mean, the uh, they were missing their captain and uh, a really good young player, and he's here for most of the year. He's back now, so, I mean, that's been a real problem for them. They've traded away, uh, you know, they've traded away a couple of guys as they continue to uh, try to rebuild that group. So they're down a couple of important forwards in Palmieri and Zajac. They have Brat and uh, Jasper Bratt and... Uh, you know, and Pavel Zaka out of the lineup, they've been really good players for them, so that hurts their team as well. So it's just going to take time, and, uh, you know, they've got a couple of guys within their group, too, who are kind of placeholders, older players for, you know, that will be uh, that will be replaced down the road by younger guys. So, I mean, you know, it's been a good year for Ty Smith on defense. Uh, you know, I think he's been a, a very helpful player for them at this point, and they've got other guys coming, and Jack Hughes is improving, and he sure hopefully will stay healthy. And yeah, so I think I, I'm confident that Tommy Fitzgerald, if that's the way they decide to go, if Tommy Fitzgerald, uh, you know, stays in that role, that he will get this done over time. But the problem for Devils fans is they look across the river and they see where the Rangers are, and the Rangers just have been able to accelerate that rebuild because of the addition of Panarin, the emergence of Zabanajad as someone who's taken it to another level. And then the good fortune in the uh, lottery of, of getting a, a couple of really high-end players, and now the arrival of Kravtsov and the emergence of Fox. I mean, Fox kind of found, you know, he kind of forced his way to the Rangers over time because he was originally a Calgary pick. Um, they knew that it was unlikely they were going to sign him. They traded him to Carolina. His rights, he basically told Carolina, listen, you can, you can keep me if you want, but I'll just go back to Harvard for another year, and when I'm done at Harvard after my four years, I have my CBA right 
to be an unrestricted free agent, and I'm going to do that, and I'll probably sign with the Rangers. So you can either work out a deal with them or let it play out, and they they did the wise thing, which is to work out a deal. So, um, you know, that. so if you're a Devil fan, you look across the river and you're you're frustrated maybe at that, but the Devils, I think, have, a, have several things to, to hang their hat on, and I think they just have to continue to be patient. That's unfortunately the, the nature of this. Yeah. And, you know, listen, they won three cups in what, in, in a run of 10 years, and uh, they got to another final in 2012. And, you know, the Detroit Red Wings are going through something similar. And, yeah. uh, you know, it just takes time. Yeah, I like Sharon Govich. I like Kwokinen. I like Smith. There's a lot to like. They're still very, very young. As you mentioned, Heeshear and Hughes, I think are going to be really good players. My, my major concern, though, would be in goal. Like, I, I don't know what Mackenzie Blackwood is. There are times where you feel real good about him. There's times where you're really not sure because, let's face it, you know, we could talk about Lou Lamarillo. We could talk about Niedemeyer. We could talk about Stevens and Eliash and all the players that helped them win those cups. It really helped to have Marty Brodeur between the pipes, right? And it, and at the end of the day, if the Rangers make it, it's probably going to be on the back of Shesterkin, you know, just like it was with Lundqvist. So, um, they've got to figure out if Blackwood is the goaltender. At times it looks like he is. At times you're not sure. So uh, that would probably be a concern for me if I'm a Devil fan is that do they have the goalie? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Blackwood. I think he got off to a terrific start. He ended up getting, uh, you know, having to deal with COVID, and uh, I think it really impacted him. I don't think there was any question. He was not kind of the same goalie after that. But he's played better in recent weeks. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, goalies kind of go up and down a little bit. We see it with the best of them. I mean, I think you look at Connor Hellebuck. He won the Vezina Trophy last year. The season before that, he struggled. The season before that, he was very good. Yeah. So, so I think, you know, he's a young goalie. He's playing in a tough spot. The team is, uh, you know, they don't always defend as well as, uh, you know, you'd like to. But that's part of having a rebuilding group. So I like Mackenzie Blackwood a lot. I think they'll have to figure out, you know, what they're going to do in terms of another goaltender there to be with him. But, uh, you know, I think right now Mackenzie Blackwood has shown us enough to think that he would be somebody that I think could really help this group moving forward and can be their guy. All right, one more quick. Uh, Chris says, hey, guys, per Nick Kiprios and local reporters, Fletcher looking to move Nolan Patrick before the deadline. Do you see him being moved during the offseason? That's going to be a tough one. You know, I think that, uh, you know, with he's had the injury issues. He's such a high pick. I mean, you know, you have a second overall pick. It is really difficult to decide to to give up on that player. But he has had a lot of injury issues. He had some injury issues prior to being drafted. And, uh, you know, this is just something that internally the Flyers are going to have to think about. I don't know what the market is really for a player who has played so infrequently and has, has struggled to, to kind of find footing for himself in the NHL. Now, there will be some that would tell you, and if there's somebody out there, if there's teams that really like Nolan Patrick and think he's got upside still, this is the time to go get him, right? Because the market value is lower than it would be if he had been playing really well. But, uh, you know, I'd be hard-pressed to think of how much I want to give up to get him based on his history and – if I'm the Philadelphia Flyers, you know, I, I, that's a real tough one because, again, it's not like he's just been a bad player. He has had some significant health and injury issues that have put him in a position not to be able to perform to the level that he and they had hoped. So, 
that's a, that's one of a number of tough decisions that Chuck yeah. Fletcher's have to deal with in the offseason. EJ, thank you so much. This is a lot of fun. We'll talk to you next Monday. All right, you got it, my friend. Have a great week. All right, that's the great EJ Raddick. Watch him on NHL Now between the hours of 4 and 6 Eastern time on the NHL Network. Always good to talk to him. Bunch of games tonight of major importance. Lightning and the Hurricanes, 7 o'clock face-off tonight. That's a battle for first place in the Central. Carolina has 62 points, and they've got right now a two-point lead on Tampa, who's in third. That's the logjam that we have here in the Central. Carolina with 62 points. Florida with 61. Tampa with 60. Florida's played 45 games. Carolina 43. Tampa 44. So that puts Carolina in a pretty big spot, and they've got a chance to really add to their lead tonight against Tampa. Also in that Central Division, the Blackhawks and the Predators tonight at 8 o'clock. Nashville's kind of cooled off. They've lost a couple in a row. They've got the fourth spot at 49 Chicago is two points back 47 with the game in hand so if Chicago can win this game in regulation they'd be tied with Nashville but because they played one less game they would move into fourth place so that's a pretty big game at nine o'clock tonight the Coyotes and the Wild that's a big game for uh, the um, Coyotes they sit in fourth place in the west just one point ahead of St. Louis St. Louis has got two games in hand on Arizona and the Blues you know they can really get a chance to make up some ground here as they've got the off night tonight and then St. Louis will be in action tomorrow um, or actually will not be in action tomorrow because that game has been postponed with Colorado dealing with the COVID situation so St. Louis kind of lurking and waiting in the wings for what's going to happen there Uh, the Dallas Stars got a chance tonight they're playing host to the Detroit Red Wings and Dallas right now, they sit with 46 points, three points back of Nashville with three games in hand on the Predators. So if Dallas can beat Detroit, which is a distinct possibility, now that puts the Dallas in a situation where they would just be one point back in Nashville and they'd have still the three games in hand with Nashville playing tonight and Chicago. So those are the three teams. Columbus and Detroit are pretty much done. So still Chicago and Dallas outside looking in. And again, the goal differential plus 13 for Dallas the only team in that division that's got a plus goal differential that is right now not in the playoffs but they're going to be able to make up that ground with the games in hand and as we mentioned some history in Vegas tonight with the Sharks taking on the Golden Knights and Patrick Marlowe expected to play and he would break Gordie Howe's record for games played that would happen uh, tonight so there's a lot to get into we'll be back with you on Wednesday to recap it all get closer and closer to the end of the season we'll get an update on how Vancouver is doing now that they're back to playing after COVID. What's the latest with Colorado? Are they going to be able to get back to work as well with those three games being postponed? You want to get in touch with me? Best way to do it, at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. Back with you on Wednesday. This was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.